If you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to talk about focus, focus, focus. You know, it just drives me crazy when people tell me to focus. Uh, it's, you know, you need to focus. Oh, don't tell me that. You need to focus. You know, and that drives me crazy because for me, focusing has been hard most of my life. It has been. And for me to focus takes a lot of energy. And it takes a short amount of time. And focusing is so vital to being where God wants you to be and accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. As we've been talking about the crisis of faith that Timothy was in, and we've looked at that being a reflection of our own crisis here individually in the lives of many in our church and also our church collectively, corporately. We have been stuck in a crisis mode in this time as we step out and step up and, and move out. So we're going to be talking about that. Here is where it starts. You say, what do we do? Here's where it starts. Because now he's given Timothy several illustrations. He's built a great foundation. And I want you to look uh, at, at what he's going to say here. Beginning in verse 8. Now, bear in mind, he's given the illustrations of a soldier, a farmer, and an athlete. He's given great word pictures. And now uh, he's coming to verse 8. Keep in mind, keep in mind Jesus Christ. Some uh, perhaps say, remember Jesus Christ. Give attention to Jesus Christ. Ah, might want to underline that. Keep in mind Jesus Christ. Risen from the dead, which would validate him being God, descended from David according to my gospel, the one that I preach. There's a lot of gospels out there, and he said, but this is the one I'm preaching, that Jesus died and rose again. And this is the one that must really matter because, <laughs> because it's changing people's lives. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it has the power to change lives, mine being included. And he says, verse 9, for this I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal. He said, I'm in chains, Timothy. I, I've done nothing wrong. I've not stole from anyone. I've not murdered anyone. I, I, I've not done anything that would break laws of the land per se, except I've preached a gospel that has disturbed the conscience of a people and a society. And in so doing, I have these chains I wear every day. I'm chained to a guard. I'm awaiting an execution. And here's one I know. I, I, I'm treated like a criminal, even though I have done no wrong against Rome. But here's what I want you to get. He's drawing comparisons. I am bound like a criminal. But God's message is not bound. And this is why I endure all things for the elect so that they may also obtain salvation. He was focused. I mean, he was focused. He says, here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I know why I'm doing it. I know what the end result is because I do it. And I want you to understand, Timothy, you've got to focus. And we have got to focus in the 21st century at First Baptist Lindale. The key to coming out of the various crises of life is focus. Always is. 
You've got to regain your focus because in the midst of a crisis, you lose your focus. All of us do. No one's exempt from that. You, you, it, it takes a beating. You're knocked off balance. You, you're not effective. You're not thinking quite clearly because the crisis takes a toll. And so finally you have to say, uh, but you have to realize that, acknowledge that, and then say, okay, I need to regain my focus. And here's what, because we must focus on what really matters. When you're coming out of a crisis, you've got to say, what is it the most important things in my life that I now have to focus on? Obviously, your health, your, your family, uh, your spiritual life, your, 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 your financial life. You've got to deal with the things that are important to how you maintain what you do and who you are. Paul encouraged Timothy with two principles that will always make a difference. And I want to share those with you as we look at how we focus. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm talking to us today. I'm talking to me and I'm talking to you. Two principles. Here we go. The first one is this. He said, I want you to focus on Jesus, our living Lord, who guarantees eternal life and reward. He said, look, I want you to keep in mind Jesus Christ. Now, this is important. You say, well, we do that. No, we don't. We do a lot of other stuff. Now, we, and let me tell you what we tend to do sometimes. Actually, we focus more about his death than his resurrection. If there was no resurrection, the death wouldn't have mattered. I mean, really. So we, if we're not careful, we just all we talk about when he died, he died. I know he died to die for our sins, and that's huge. And you've got you to gotta, you gotta focus on that. But the focus can't stop there because the victory, the victory is in his resurrection. And the, if we're not careful, we can only have focus. We kind of get focused on the, this and that. But he's telling Timothy, he said, Timothy, you've got you to gotta enlarge your focus. You've got to go, okay, you've got to keep in mind. That means in the, the, the focus of your thought life and the, the target of your intelligence and your spirit is that you will focus on Jesus who was risen from the dead. He said, that's what makes him unique from everyone else. From every other religious leader that's ever been, he arose from the dead. A lot of people have died for a cause. But he not only died for the cause of our salvation, he arose from the dead. And Paul said, this is what makes him the real deal. And so I want you to never lose sight of that. Focus on Jesus Christ, who's risen from the dead, descended from David according to my gospel. And he said, this is what I want you to get. He's the one who guarantees eternal life because he arose from the dead. He is the first fruits of life after death. And therefore, if I focus on him when I come to that point in my life, when I must face death, I'm okay with it. And this is the guy writing who's about to face death. He says, I know I'm going to die. They're going to kill me. But let me tell you, I am focusing on the resurrection of Christ because his resurrection is going to be also my resurrection. And I am not afraid to die. He says, I want you to focus on Jesus. Well, what do we know about Jesus? And I want to tell you this as we focus on him today. Number one, he was a warrior. You see, he's given, he's given Timothy three word pictures. You need to look like a soldier, a farmer, and an athlete. Now, he says, now I want you to keep in mind Jesus, who was the greatest soldier of them all. He fought the greatest battle going to be fought. He, he, he fought that skirmish in the wilderness after fasting for 40 days, and he went head-to-head with the intellect of Satan, and he won. 
But then also, he now goes head to head with the very powers of darkness as he prays in the garden and wrestles with the will of God for his life and the accomplishment of his sacrifice. And then he marches, uh, he's marched into a mock trial and he is, uh, beaten beyond recognition. He, he then has laid his life out on a cross and he's crucified and he dies. But this is the greatest battle that's ever been fought. For the devil has finally lined up everything according to what he would like. He's got the Romans against him. He's got the Jews against him. He's got Judas to betray him. He, he is betrayed by a friend. He has mocked my people. Uh, he is left alone to die because his closest guys have ran and hid except for John. And he is now fighting this amazing battle between light and darkness, good and evil. He's standing in the place of sacrifice. You see, Rome thought it was an execution, but he knew it was a sacrifice. And so he stands there aware of what will take place, and now he's hanging on a cross. And, and, and he realizes that this is the war. This is the war that will settle the issue. This is the war that's been building from Genesis 3.15 to the four Gospels. This is the war. This is the turning point in eternity. And so he says, I've come to fight this war. And I will pay the ultimate price. I will give my life because you're my friends. And I will die for you because I love you. And in my dying, I will win the battle. Not only will he win the battle, he'll win the war. For here's where the devil said, I've got him where I want him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to silence him. I am going to put him down. I, I'm going to put him in a tomb. And he's done. It's over. It's finished. I've won. And Paul is saying, Timothy, remember that there was this great battle that, that, that was fought on Golgotha. And on the third day, it became obvious who the winner was. Jesus, what a soldier. He went into the trenches to fight for you and for me. He came out victorious. Mount says he led captivity captive. He, he made an sh open show of the, the lack of power Satan really had. So we find this. He was a great warrior. He fought a battle to the death. And his death on the third... And, it, and he, on the third day... He won the ultimate victory. He was also a great farmer. He began to plant seeds that would come up for thousands of years. You're some of that seed. I am. You're some of that seed. He planted the gospel, the truth of the kingdom. In the hearts of his disciples, those apostles, and then, then they would, as, as they would commit it to others, and Paul would say to Timothy, I'm going to commit to you the gospel of Christ that you commit to others, that the seed that began in the person of Christ would continue to be planted for thousands of years to come, would see a harvest to the glory of God. He was an amazing farmer. And he was an incredible athlete. He said, now, was Jesus really an athlete? I mean, I didn't even play ball. I mean, what, what, yeah. Oh, if you go to Hebrews chapter 12, 
the picture here is after the roll call of faith in chapter 11, that, that verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, that gives a picture of an arena. All right. Uh, let us, everyone lay aside every weight and sin that easily ensnares us and run with endurance the race that lies before us. The analogy is that of an athletic event. All right. We're running a race. So get rid of the stuff that gets in your way that you run without hindrance. All right. Now watch this. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Kind of sounds like what he told Timothy. Keep your mind on Christ. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As you do that, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Look at this. Keep your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of God's throne. He is saying to Timothy, keep your mind on Jesus. It's time to focus on who he is and all that he's done and all he'll ever be. And so when we begin to come out of the spiritual crisis we're in or the whatever crisis you may be in, the way you do it is you first and foremost must focus on Jesus Christ. You have got to become absorbed by who he is and what he did. You've got to realize, yes, he died on the cross. What an amazing love. But then he arose from the grave. What absolute power. And then you realize, my God, how great thou art. Because look what you've done. And now you're seated at the right hand of God to make intercession for me. You're there to make sure I get to the finish line. This is why you focus on Jesus. That's what happened. He who began a good work in you will complete it. That's what we know. If I focus on him, he gets me from point A to point B by his power and according to his purpose. Now, that journey may have a lot of twists and turns and crises in it. As a matter of fact, it will. But it is only to bring us back to the point of focus as we focus on Jesus, our living Lord. And the truth is, many things will happen that are not good. We'll, be, we'll, be, we'll experience betrayal like he did and disappointment like he did and, and, and we'll experience a lot of things. But we must never lose our focus. You see, too often times we see the crisis and not Christ. We get all wrapped up in the crisis. I know the crisis is real. Please don't. I'm not minimizing our crises. But I am telling you that we can't dwell on them because we will get stuck there and never get beyond them. So we must now realize the way I start out is begin to regain my focus on Christ. And when the crisis begins to bubble up inside me and the emotions that come from that crisis, I'm going to say, okay, let me go back to the cross and the tomb. And let me go back to the, the, let me envision the one who died for me on the cross. And then let me envision the empty tomb. And then let me envision the one who rose to the grave sitting at the right hand of God the Father, enthroned forevermore, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And begin to let your heart and your spirit wrap around the true spiritual essentials of the Christian life. That's what separates us from everyone else, the person of Christ. So how do you do that? Three basic things. Number one, you talk to him through prayer. You tell him about your crisis. You tell him how bad it is. He's okay with that. Job certainly knew how to do that. And so did Paul. Paul would talk about his hardships. 
And and I got to believe he was praying, God, you know, this is hard today. I'm not enjoying prison today. Lord, I don't understand why I'm here today. I I can't figure out what's gone wrong. But all these things that we would say, Paul said. But he always got his focus correct. Sometimes we lose our focus. You've got to do things to have focus. Prayer is one of them. You need to pray daily. I mean, you pray in the morning, pray in the middle of the day, and pray at night, and pray throughout the day. But you need to be talking to God. When you're focused, when something happens, when you focus, you have to make adjustment. Prayer is how you make adjustment. Not only that, getting in the Word of God. There's no excuse not to get in the Word of God today. The Bible everywhere you go. If you got any kind of phone of any, you got something that says I can find a Bible on here and I can find something to read today in the midst of waiting in a waiting room or, or stop, hey, caught behind a train. Instead of fussing about the train, take a moment, pull up a Bible verse and read it. Keep your focus. Don't get caught. Man, just 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 realize you get to you get to focus on things, and, and and that Bible, the Scripture brings truth to you about who He is and what He can do, and then the people you hang with. This is very important. You must hang with people who have focus, because if they don't have focus, they are going to pull you back. And this is what he's trying to tell Timothy. Timothy, you've got involved with some guys that, that, are, that have lost their focus. Uh, they're ashamed of me. I want you to know you can't hang with those guys. You've got to step out from the crowd. And more than likely, you'll be a minority. But you've got to step out of the crowd and hang with the guys who really have the focus on Christ. A lot of things try to grab our focus today. But only Christ deserves it. Because of all he's done. Our focus gets on programs and personalities and, 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 and procedures and preferences and all that stuff. When it needs to be on Christ. Crucified, arose from the grave, a living Lord who's alive forevermore. And therefore, whatever I face, the end has already been established for me that I will spend eternity with him. And the rewards will be more than accommodating to my suffering. You must see God in your future. That's what focus is. Do you know why the children of Israel, the Hebrew children that left Egypt in the Exodus, when they stood at the Jordan River and they sent 12 spies over and they came back and and they talked about how, how really great it was and God had not lied to them about the abundance of the land, but then when it came time to go and possess the land... You know why? They didn't do it. Because what they saw in their future was Jericho and not God. It's just that simple. Their focus was wrong. All they could see was Jericho. And they couldn't see God. You know why we're stuck in our crisis? All we see is our Jerichos. We don't see God. Now, it's time we step up. And it's time we step out. It's time we begin to focus on what really matters. And it's Jesus. So you begin to build your your habits around prayer and Scripture and people you hang with. 
and let God minister to your soul. Man, get you some music that blesses you. And begin to get in focus. But there's something else he shared. As we look at this, keep in mind Christ Jesus. That's our first focus. But then there's something else. For this I suffer to the point of being bound like a criminal, but God's message is not bound. A great picture here. He says, focus on the power of the gospel that can't be contained. Now, you've got to get this, because I think somewhere we really wimp out here. I, I think somehow we kind of miss what really is essential. Paul had come to understand something. He is about to die. And yet he knows that the gospel will not die with him. He is, you know, he closes out the book of Acts saying, and the gospel was preached without hindrance, even though I, I spent time in jail. And he's telling Timothy, now look, I know, I know the word's out, I'm in jail, I'm going to be executed, I'm going to be a martyr, but let, let me tell you, that's not going to stop the gospel. They could take his head, but they could not stop the gospel. And he was committed. He said, listen, the gospel is unchained. I'm chained. They've got me chained to a guard. I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere, but I can talk to every guard I'm chained to. And, and, and listen, God's all of a sudden led me to write these letters. And the truth is, what he wrote to Timothy has been preached to literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands. The gospel has not been chained. Sometimes, uh, listen to me, please hear this. Sometimes our crisis comes that it may change us in such a way that it may expand the gospel even more. The reason the devil attacks the church, the reason the devil attacks you, is that he wants to stop the gospel. You've got to get that. That's all it's all about. That's what it's all about. He wants to stop the gospel. We need to come to an understanding and focus that the gospel cannot be stopped. So let's quit feeling sorry for ourselves. Quit having our pity parties. Quit looking in the past and move on because the gospel cannot be stopped. I look at this and... And I see this man telling this young man in the ministry, listen, focus on the power of the gospel. It changes lives. It makes a difference. Uh, it, it doesn't, nothing, nothing stops. They'll, they'll take my life, but I'm not the last voice of the gospel. You're coming on, Timothy. And when you pass off the stage, someone else is going to come on. He said, man, don't lose your focus. You say, what do we do to come out of a crisis? You, become, re, you recommit yourself to the Great Commission. And you become a people that share the gospel everywhere you go. I'm going to tell you what excited me. 
You guys really used Facebook real well last week. Man, you left your Sunday. You were telling people about it. But I want you to take it a step further. Man, you, you tell them that God blessed you today. Awesome. You need to share that testimony. You, you need to announce that God blessed you and spoke to you. Great. And y'all did an awesome job. But now you need to start somehow talking about Jesus. All right? Hey, this is... You say, for all you guys that have a hard time talking to people face-to-face, here's your answer. You ain't got to see nobody. And it don't matter if they don't like what you said. You don't know. Right? But it's time we realize the tools that God has given us in the 21st century become a way of of communicating the gospel. Man, that Jesus loved you, that... See, you can say, today we worship our resurrected Lord. You ain't got to wait till Easter to say that. He's alive every day. Alive forevermore. And, and you can say, today we realize how important to focus on the gospel that changes lives. You see, I think we start communicating truth. And begin to watch what, as we do that, that will begin to draw people to Christ first and foremost. And maybe to our church. But it's time we understand, we focus on the power of the gospel. You cannot focus on Christ and the gospel and continue to live in the past. That will not work. That's a people out of focus. So here's where it starts. You asked the question one time, what do we do? That's where we start. We start focusing on Jesus. All that He is. All that He can do. And He becomes our hero in the midst of our crisis. And then we focus on the power of the gospel. And we begin to become a people that are consumed with sharing the gospel once again. And let me go ahead and tell you. When we do that, we will experience warfare. That's okay. We keep our focus. We keep our focus. Well, to me, one of the saddest stories in history is a story of a man named Charles Templeton. I've mentioned him before to you. I've talked about various phases of his life. He was with the uh, uh, Youth for Christ movement with Billy Graham in the 40s and 50s and just an incredible communicator and an orator and, and probably a better communicator than Billy Graham from what people would say about him. An awesome individual in, in regard to what he could do in the pulpit. He began to investigate more a uh, broad scope of, of intellectualism and, and uh, really begin to have doubts about the Bible. And he began to talk to Billy Graham about, you need to, you know, don't, don't be so dogmatic about the Bible. And let's, let's relax our views about the Bible and let's, let's be more open-minded. And, and uh, of course, Billy Graham didn't do that. Billy Graham went out alone with God and took the Bible and said, I'm hearing a lot of things, especially from my closest friends. 
There's a movement that perhaps this isn't your word, but I want Billy Graham to come in. I want to believe this book with all that I am. I want to preach this with all my heart. And he asked God to help him, and God obviously did. And someone once said to Billy Graham, you're a great man. He said, no, sir, I'm not a great man, but I have a great message. You see, so, but Templeton began to depart from the faith. He began to question the, the, the crises of life and, and, and why they were so traumatic and horrifying at times. Templeton, based on questions he could not answer, resigned from the ministry, became a novelist and a news commentator. He did write a book. It would be a critique on the Christian faith entitled, Farewell to God, My Reason for Rejecting the Christian Faith. He was interviewed at the age of 83 by Lee Strobel who wrote the book, The Case for Faith. You ought to read that book. He was suffering from Alzheimer's disease, and Strobel is asking him, tell me what brought you to a point of rejecting Christian faith. And he began to share why children die, would a loving God send people to hell, and all the various questions that the world has today, and the objections to Christ. And he began to, what happens, began to focus on the crisis of life rather than Christ. And when looking into the future, all he saw was the crisis and never the cross and the resurrection. Then he was asked about Jesus. And I want to read this to you. His words. When asked what he thought of Jesus Christ, Templeton would not acknowledge him as God. Rather, he responded, he was the greatest human being who ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. He's the most important thing in my life. I know it may sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. Everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. He is the most important human being who has ever existed. Now, uh, you're saying, well, Pastor... What's the problem? He's going to tell you the problem. He already told you the problem. If you heard it. And his last words he's ever spoken on this issue, he closed out the interview with these words. And if I may put it this way, I miss him. I miss him. And that was the end of the interview. With tears in his eyes. He said, I'm done. The tragedy of Templeton is a tragedy of so many people today. Is they have admired his life. The life of Jesus. But they never personally applied his death to their sin. 
and experience the resurrection power of the gospel. The tragedy of Charles Templeton is Christ wasn't in his future. His last word that anyone's ever recorded from this great intellectual mind was I really missing? Can I tell you the sad thing of that statement? Not only does he miss him, or did he miss him, but he also missed him. See, what do you mean, Pastor? That doesn't make sense. No, he, he missed him. With all that he knew about him, with all that he respected and adored, and that all that impacted his life of the goodness of Jesus, he missed the reason Jesus came. And that's why he had no faith when he faced the crisis of life. Christ was in his future. I want you to focus on Jesus today. If you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I want you to do that today. Don't miss Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Not today. Give him your heart. Maybe you've made that decision. You need to make it public today by just simply coming down and taking my hand and sharing me what God's done in your life. Oh, I'd love to, love to do that with you. Maybe it's time to find a church home. Hope you will. Join with us as God leads you. But here's what I really want you to do. I've told you, I want, if, you're, if, you're, man, if you want to come and pray, you need to come pray. And, and if you need to find Christ, come let me talk with you. We, we can talk about that, and God will do a work in your life today. And, and if you're ready to make that public, you need to do that today. So the very first word of the song, you need to be coming on down. Step out, come on down. I'll be meet you right here at the front. I want you to know that. I want you to know that. But then here's what I want us to do. As a church, I want us to sing. Because let me tell you the last story. Paul and Silas were in a Philippian jail, beaten for sharing the gospel and making a difference in someone's life. And at midnight, they begin to sing because their focus was right. In the midst of a crisis, in the midst of beating, in the midst of being put in jail wrongly, they sang. They sang, and God did something incredible. We have got to learn to sing at midnight. And you do that because your focus is right. So we're going to sing in just a minute. Kevin's going to come up, and I want you to sing. Because it is midnight. It's midnight in our country. It's midnight in our state. And it's time we sing. It may be midnight in your life. It's time to sing.